Welcome to Rowdy Southern Saturday. We're excited to roll out the same great show you've been enjoying for the past two years under this new name. Thank you for continuing to support us and our love for college football. Let's get rowdy. Another week down, and we're back. Let's get rowdy. It's rivalry week. We got some good ones coming up. Uh, had some good ones last weekend, and uh, and my dumb self. Guess where I was? You'll never guess. Another fall wedding. Another fall wedding. Another fall wedding. Let me tell you guys, I am zero for two on Georgia playing good when I'm at fall weddings. Last fall wedding I went to was last year in November. We lost to Alabama. Didn't even get to see the game. I had to watch it on my phone in a church pew. You know what I did this year? I didn't even watch the Kentucky game. I thought we had it in the bag. It was 16 to nothing when I was stopped watching. Georgia won 16 to 6. We all saw what happened with Florida. Saw what happened with Tennessee. Michigan almost lost. Ohio State had a rough one. It's It got pretty wild, guys. Yeah, that was one of the best college football weekends I've seen in a while. Just with how close game games were. Uh, you have... I was sitting in a bar in uh, on Tybee Island, surrounded by the most uneducated of the uneducated Georgia fans that I've ever been around in my life. And it was so funny listening to them watch the TCU game, which was on one TV. And then uh, there was the Michigan game was on the other TV. Then the Georgia game was on, or like they, they was coming on, and they were all like just absolutely roasting uh, roasting TCU and Michigan. They were like, "See, this is why they don't even deserve to be in the top four. Like. Tennessee should be in over them, and then Tennessee just got absolutely waxed by not good. I mean, a good, not great South Carolina team. Spencer Rattler had the game of his life. Uh, what an unbelievable Saturday for college football! Yeah, isn't this isn't this why we love this sport so much? Like, you know, like the first thing that comes to my mind, like when I think about this weekend, was like, what the hell just happened? It did like from coast. To coast, it started at noon. TCU, the team of destiny. I mean, this TCU team looks like Auburn, two thousand what thirteen, kick six year. Like this team reminds me so much of that team. Um, and then you you come up to Nashville. Of course, we laid a dud. But then you come back over to Columbia, South Carolina blows the doors off of Tennessee. And then you go to West, and what a barn burner there was out in LA. I mean. What a Saturday. What a Saturday. And not to mention, you know, some games that kind of went under the radar. Michigan struggles against a solid Illinois team. You know, Talia Tagovailoa plays his ass off, pours his heart, almost beats Ohio State. I mean, what a damn day. Like, it is a stereotypical Saturday of why I will always tell people, like, College football is so much better than the National Football League. Don't get me wrong. 
football is football, and I, I I watch the Falcons every week, but I can't sit there on Sundays like I can all day Saturday and watch football. I just can't do it. There's nothing like college football, and this week was exactly why every given Saturday there is no sleeper weeks, not in college football. This is the greatest sport on earth. Yeah, and if you guys, uh, if anybody has questioned my faithfulness to my friends, especially my close friends, I think these, this weekend proves more than anything that if I'm close with you, I will do anything for you because I missed a wonderful day of college football to go to this wedding. And and honestly, you know what? I would not take it back either, I, even knowing what it all had happened. Um, I did get to watch the TCU-Baylor game. I did get to watch uh, Michigan-Illinois. I was at my friend's house flipping back and forth. Um, and of course I went back and watched all the replays anyway. So I, I know what all happened. I got a good feel for everything. Um, uh, but the games are just phenomenal. I mean, noon games in general. I mean, you had TCU and Baylor, absolute slobber knocker back and forth game, whole game. Uh, I mean, honestly, I, I didn't think T- TCU had a chance almost the entire game. Baylor looked like they outplayed them until the very end when TCU came up with the last second field goal to put them ahead. That was incredible. The Illinois Michigan game. I was pretty shocked at how Illinois went up early. Um, they held the lead for a pretty long time. Michigan losing Blake Corum, uh, which really, really slowed down their offense. Kind of showed that J.J. McCarthy, as good as he is, and I think as he develops, he's going to end up being a really, really good quarterback for Michigan. He's not a guy that can take over a football game himself. He's got to have some help. And uh, without Blake Corum, I don't, I don't see them being one of these top playoff teams. Um, especially having to go in and play Ohio State at Ohio State next week. It's supposed to be snowy, um, and it's, it might rain again um, if it doesn't snow, which uh, sets up pretty well for Michigan. But even playing against Ohio State, that's tough. Um, and then, of course, uh, our poor friend Chad had to witness Florida getting beat by the fighting uh, Clark Lees, the Nashville zone, Vanderbilt Commodores, uh, pulling a Kirby Smart year one, losing to Vandy. And uh, as as much as I loved it, I, I did feel bad for my good friend because that that one's that was a tough one. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, and, and, I, and I'll just say this: Look, all credit to Clark Lee, all credit to Vanderbilt. They did what they had to do to win the football game. But Florida looked, man, we looked so bad. I mean, we looked like we looked like a Dan Mullen team out there. We looked undisciplined. We could not get off. We could not get off the field with third down penalties to extend Vanderbilt's drives. We're fumbling a muffed punt in the end zone. The Vanderbilt recovers for a touchdown. I mean, we had 445 yards of offense. Anthony Richardson threw for 400 yards. The running game did nothing. But still, when you throw for 400 yards, you should win a football game. And and we didn't. I mean, like I said, I'm not trying to take away anything from Vandy. I'm not trying to take away excuses. Or, excuse me, I'm not trying to make excuses. But we handed Vanderbilt that game in every every facet possible. We gave Vanderbilt every opportunity to stay in the game with mistakes. Um, but it's year one. And I'll say this. I've seen a lot of hate for Billy Napier on Twitter about this Florida program. Calm down. It is year one. Kirby Smart lost to Vanderbilt in year one, and I'm not comparing Kirby Smart to Billy Napier, but it's going to take time. Chad, if you're a Florida fan, Chad finally like, gets on Twitter. Oh, now, now he's got to see all these crazy SEC fans losing their minds every time, every time their team loses uh, a college football game. We've tr- yes. me, me and Matt have been going through this for years. 
Yes. Follow follow me. I'm finally on Twitter for the first time in my life. It only took me to be 25 years old. But follow me at the RSS Chad. Um, but yeah, man, if you're if you're a Florida fan, and just just take it from me, like yeah, I realize it's been a struggle. We haven't been the, we haven't been in a right way really since Urban Meyer left. But year one, it is year one. We were not going to be anything more than eight and four, which I have to now pay wit money because we're not going to be eight and four. But we were never going to be anything more than eight and four. And it's year one. We got a top eight recruiting class right now. Let him get his guys in there. Give it time. We live in a world where people want instant success. It's not going to happen. Calm down. Give Billy Napier some time. But yeah, that that loss stung, man. That hurt. And can we just take a second to acknowledge that Vanderbilt mathematically has a chance to go to a bowl game and Texas A&M is eliminated? And that Clark Lee has more SEC wins this year than Jimbo Fisher. Let's go back to September 3rd and, and somebody say that take out loud and watch the hilarity of everybody just absolutely roast them. If, if I were to say on November, on September 2nd, 2022, Andy's going to have more SEC wins than A&M going into the last week of the season, y'all would have roasted me to no end. And here we are. Um, in, in November, and that's that's where we are. Vandy has two SEC wins. Uh, Hinton Hooker's out now for Tennessee, so, I mean, I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but I feel like if there was ever a chance, they're, they're, they've got more of a chance now than, than ever. I, don't, I, I think Tennessee's going to bounce back after a really ugly loss to South Carolina, but I just got to give all the credit in the world to Clark Lee because – you know, we I had pretty much chalked up that he was going to have another winless SEC SEC season, um, and here we are, Vanderbilt five and six going into the last week with wins over Missouri and Florida. So good, good for Clark Lee, good for Vandy, a program that's taking strides in the right direction, and uh, head coaches that I, that I like, Shane Beamer, man, what a, what a game on Saturday for Beamer and the and the uh, South Carolina boys. That was a Absolute thrashing of the number five team of the country on primetime television on ESPN. And and honestly, watching that game, like it felt like at some point South Carolina was just gonna run out of the the tricks to, that they were throwing. Like eventually Spencer Rattler was gonna do a Spencer Rattler thing, like he's gonna throw a pick six untimely, or he's going to do something that Negatively impacted the game. Like when Tennessee scored, uh, I think it was in the second half to make it 35-31. They were down four. I was like, all right, well, here we go. Tennessee's about to kick it into another gear. And then out of nowhere, it's just Rattler in South Carolina just pouring it on the the ugly pumpkin orange helmets that Tennessee wore. And it was a beautiful thing. Williams-Brice Stadium is an underrated SEC environment. Uh, I, I think that a lot of people uh, look at – Columbus, South Carolina, and they're Columbia, South Carolina, and they're like, oh God, it's 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 terrible. But Columbia, South Carolina is the the environment of Williams Bright is awesome. Wit, you were you were there and experienced it this year, so you can attest. It's a it's a cool place. Uh, and a night game there when Sandstorm gets rolling, those guys are feeling it. South Carolina did not run out of any tricks, but they definitely ran out of fireworks. That was my favorite thing to see. They're, they didn't bring enough fireworks for the touchdowns. 
So they started just not having any after what was it after the sixth or seventh I touchdown? Didn't, I didn't out. even see that. I didn't yeah. know that was a thing. <laughs> South Carolina has scored so many touchdowns they've run out of fireworks. Yeah, I mean they scored what, what was it sixty three points every yeah, 63 63 yeah. 31 was Over the final 600 total yards that's absolutely correct every drive was a touchdown except for one punt and then there was two drives where it was the end of the half and the end of the game every other time they scored when they had the ball that's nuts well and i'll, I'll say this too talking about williams bryce stadium talking about columbia south carolina if you if you let south carolina get up on you in that stadium especially with a packed fan base uh, I mean, I don't think there was a seat empty in that entire crowd, uh, which which honestly surprised me a little because South Carolina, they've had some good wins this year, but it really has not been that great of a year for them. I mean, they're, they're definitely up from where they were last year. Um, and I think Shane Beamer has them moving in the right direction. And I thought that regardless of how they would have got how their uh, how the record would have turned out this year. But their fans showed up. I mean, the stadium was completely packed when they went up. I guess it was 14 to nothing. That crowd went absolutely crazy. So you're 14 to nothing or 14 to three. That crowd just started going nuts. Like they they had the feeling they could actually win that game. They did not let Tennessee's offense get into any kind of rhythm. I mean, it I went back and watched the game. Obviously, I didn't get to watch it um from the actual live version of it because I was at that wedding. But going back and watching the game, you saw at the beginning of the game, Hinden Hooker could not even call plays from the huddle. He couldn't change plays at the line of scrimmage. Um, he couldn't do anything that he normally does because of how loud that stadium was. I think it was something similar to what happened to him in Athens. Georgia did the same thing, went up early, and uh, and the crowd just got too loud for him. You could tell he could he had no control over the offense, um, which is really not typical for Tennessee. And uh, a lot of people want to say Tennessee's a different team at home, which I agree in the sense of they have more control over what they're doing because the crowd levels aren't as crazy. But, I mean, you've seen it every year. I mean, even in the Alabama game, um, even in some of the other games they played earlier on in the year, like against Pitt, their defense just wasn't there. They don't have the talent on defense. The secondary in particular is really, really, really weak. Um, it's, it's not tough to just go berserk on them. And uh, South Carolina played easily the best game they've played probably since Steve Spurrier was there. Honestly, maybe even before then because they, they looked incredible. Um, I don't know if this will continue. Obviously, they got a big game against Clemson next week. Um, I don't expect for them to score 63 points again on Clemson. Granted, they could because I think Tennessee is a better football team than Clemson. But you never know. Yeah, I've been I've been saying it. I've been saying it for a long time. Williams Bryce Stadium, and you guys just echoed this. Williams Bryce Stadium is absolutely one of the most underrated atmospheres in the SEC, and that's why it's kind of at the top of my bucket list to go see because that. That fan base is starving. They are hungry to be competitive at the top and be competitive in the East. And and Shane Beamer believes in that program. Shane Beamer is a South Carolina guy. When he got hired, I thought to myself, that's a guy whose dream job is South Carolina. Like, you know, when they went through that, that hiring cycle, you almost had to think like, okay, they can go out and they can get some G5 guy who's got head coaching experience. They could have went and got Jamie Chadwell from in-state. But would that have been Jamie Chadwell's dream job? Was Jamie Chadwell going to be a South Carolina guy? We don't know. Shane Beamer, I think we know. Shane Beamer is South Carolina Gamecock football. And, and he is exactly what they need from a culture standpoint. And that was a massive weekend for them. 
Recruiting-wise, I'm sure that place had recruits all over it. That stadium was packed. South Carolina is a job that I think that's a glimpse of what it can be. And, and you have to give them credit. Now, Tennessee, Tennessee's had flaws all year. Um, you know, the, I don't think, looking looking at it right now across the country, I don't think there's a perfect team out there. I think the closest thing to it is Georgia. But I think we bought a lot of stock into Tennessee after the Alabama game. And Wits right. Tennessee's a different team away from home, but that's a, but I mean that's that's an easy statement to make because everybody's a different team away from home. You know, it's a big advantage to be at home. You saw that with South Carolina this week, um, but I think we bought a little too much stock into Tennessee too soon. I think Tennessee's a good football team. I, I think it's a great step in the right direction for Tennessee. They beat Vanderbilt this week. They go ten and two. They're in contention for New Year's Six. I know that's disappointing, but overall, you can't dismiss the year that Tennessee just had. There's still a team on the rise, but all credit to Shane Beamer. Hell of a weekend for that program. A massive step, especially after getting throttled in Gainesville the week before. Yeah, Chad, you're right. The Tennessee, the the year that Tennessee's had has to be celebrated in a lot of ways. Um, and to me, they feel like they're kind of in a spot like Ole Miss was last year, where they're going to be losing a lot this year. They're going to have to replace a lot. Uh, Josh Heupel's done a really good job with getting them in a spot where he's where he's comfortable. Um, it's going to really hinge on on uh, their quarterback position for next year, and they're going to they're going to have to figure out a way to win away from Nayland because Nealon Stadium has has been good to them. They're able to operate that offense highly efficiently. But you see what happens whenever they get put in a neutral site or, or like, or even on a neutral site, they'd be okay. But when you see what happens when they go play a road game in a hostile environment, a lot of pre-snap penalties against Georgia putting themselves behind the chains and a lot of pre-snap penalties at South Carolina putting themselves behind the chains. So I think moving forward, that's going to be something that, they, uh, that they, they're going to have to do. But speaking of, of, of Ole Miss, what a dud they laid in Arkansas, Fayetteville, Arkansas, this past weekend. You have to think a lot of it has to do with all of the rumors surrounding co head coach Lane Kiffin, the potential of him leaving. Is he going? Is he staying? Is he going? Is he staying? He's never come out and said anything. And on today, Monday, November 21st, 2022, it's officially been reported by a gentleman out of Mississippi that Lane Kiffin is going to be stepping down as the Ole Miss coach after the Egg Bowl and taking the job at Auburn. No one knows what to think about all of this because Lane Kiffin comes out and said that's news to him on Twitter. What is going on with the world of college football and the coaching carousel? Yeah, dude, I'm honestly, just, just feeling out the vibes. I mean, I don't have any close sources uh, to anything except for one kind of closer source, um, a buddy of mine who used to work for FAU. He's heard that Lane is not super happy in Oxford. Apparently, he just doesn't really like it there. Um, and granted, I think he heard that a while ago. So, and I think that was like right when he moved up there from Boca. So that could have changed. I don't know if that's true or not. But judging based on that information, the very few information I have, with what's going on on Twitter, with what you're reading on the message boards, what Auburn Twitter feels like is happening, what Ole Miss Twitter feels like is happening, lots of under-the-radar stuff, nothing that's really official yet. Um, I think Lane is going to leave. And if you asked me that last week, I would have said I didn't think so. Um, and granted, I mean, we've been saying this from the beginning. There, they were going to pull a stunt to try and get Lane some more money, and they would have been stupid not to. 
And this very well could be what it is. But I it just it feels very much like uh Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma like a you know, one of these big moves where there's some rumors coming out. You don't know what's true. You don't know what's not. But there's where there's smoke, there's fire. There's something going on. Um, and you know what? Maybe Lane Kiffin leaves and goes to Nebraska. You never know. It's it, it, like, I mean, last year we had Lincoln Riley to LSU all freaking season. And then you get to the end of the year and he goes to USC. Um, and and it feels like something like this. Like he's, he's at the very least, you know, he's entertaining offers. Um, and, and that's not saying he's actually going to leave. I personally think he is. I think it's done and done. Um, and like I said, that's totally based on vibes of people on Twitter, which means absolutely nothing whatsoever. Um, but uh, that's more information than I'll ever have from anybody else closer. So that's that's my take on it. I don't know what in the world Ole Miss is going to do if Lane Kiffin actually does leave. But I, I think it would be a massive move for Auburn if it does. Yeah, Matt, Matt and I were... Matt and I were discussing this before we before we started recording, and if this is true, now granted, Lane Kiffin did just have that tweet that said that's news to me. Of course, he could just be trying to, you know, throw everybody off the trail and get his team focused for the Egg Bowl on Thanksgiving night. That could be true. However, if this is if this is legitimate, if this is one hundred percent, I don't know where Ole Miss goes. Like, Ole Miss has built. The Lane Kiffin come to the SIP brand for the past three seasons. And Ole Miss has made steady progression from five and five in year one to ten and three last year to sitting at eight and three right now. Um, I mean, they laid an absolute dud in Fayetteville after putting up seven hundred and four yards of offense. I mean, that's besides the point, but how do you how do you put up seven hundred and four yards of offense? And lose, you know, score twenty-seven points. That's that seems damn near impossible. But again, I don't know who Ole Miss turns to in this situation. Do you go down to Jackson and you try to lure Dion away because he's in state? You know, do you go down to Hattiesburg? Do you get Will Hall to come up from Southern Miss? I don't think that's flashy enough. Do you get Chadwell to come over? Do you get Jeff Trailer pull him from UTSA? This is if this is if this is one hundred percent accurate and Lane Kiffin is going to the Plains, this is not good for Ole Miss. This is a bad look. It leads kids to believe that Ole Miss is just a stepping stone of an SEC program who can never, you know, reach the summit of becoming that team in the West and passing the Blue Bloods and LSU and Auburn and Alabama. Um, this is not a good look. Uh, this is not a good look. Um, but one thing I will say is, is, do we put too much value in Lane Kiffin? Like I said, Matt and I were discussing this before we came on. And and Lane Kiffin, so far at Old Miss, while he's done well, while they've you know done well in the transfer portal, while they've gotten good results on the field, his best win this year was Kentucky. Kentucky's 6-5 and five now. Kentucky season's fallen off the rails. I mean, in 2020, he got boat raced by Florida in his first game. You know, and, and Florida was a very talented team that year. Um, he ha- he hasn't beat LSU yet. Uh, he beat Tennessee. LSU did he beat L- LSU last year? Last year they beat LSU. It was the Eli Manning retirement game. Excuse me. Okay, yes. Sorry. Excuse me. 
Excuse me. Sorry about that. You're you're correct. Thank you for that for it, making me look dumb. Idiot. <laughs> idiot. Oh, no. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I'm just messing with you. But but yeah. I, I mean, okay. So you beat LSU last year, but LSU was down. You went in Neyland last year, but Tennessee was eight and was seven and six, eight and five. I can't remember. I think they were seven and six. Seven and six. But where's where's Lane Kiffin's big? Here's old Miss's rival game. Are we putting way too much value into Lane Giffen as a coach right now? Chad, that's what we were talking about. And I'm and that was my point was Lane is a great coach. And and don't get me wrong, I guess he feels like he's gonna get if he goes to Auburn, he feels like he's gonna be able to recruit more easily and better and bigger at Auburn than he is able to at Ole Miss. And he's gonna be able to get the players he thinks that he can't get those at Ole Miss. And more than anything, I think that. Where this hurts Ole Miss the most is the fact that you're offering a guy top 10 money to be a head coach there at Ole Miss, and he's saying, nope, can't do it. It's not worth it's not worth being a top 10 coach, at, at paid coach at Ole Miss. And that's the most damning thing that anyone could say about a school's you know, program. You know, you, you, you got – I've been – I said it at last week when we had this conversation. He has a blank canvas at Ole Miss to do whatever he wants. If he's turning that down to go to Auburn, first of all, it, I, I think it's a terrible fit. Second of all, uh, you know, if he does what he do, he's done at Ole Miss, which is beat Kentucky, beat Vanderbilt, and then lose games that otherwise probably should win, uh, he's not going to last in the Plains very long. They're not going to put up with, with nine and three, eight and four, that's what got Gus Miles on fired. They're not going to put up with losing to LSU and Brian Kelly every year. They're not going to put up with, even if he beats Nick Saban, you know, pretty much every other year whenever they play in the Plains, they're not going to put up with that in 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 Auburn. That's just not their mo. So, I think he'll do good. But why is it that we, uh, you know, at, at some point in last night in Fayetteville? Arkansas has been, you know, okay, and you're down 42 to six on the road in Fayetteville to an okay Arkansas team. Now, granted, they had KJ back and he looked healthy and he played great, but you're favored by two and a half going into Fayetteville, and you're down 42 to six at one point. And Sam Pittman called the dogs off. It, you know, is 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 it all Lane's fault? No, not necessarily, but I I. I Almost looked like a team that was focused on had players that were like, yeah, our head coach is leaving us. And while, yeah, they put up 700 yards of offense. A lot of that I feel like was in garbage time and the defense was so abysmal. Sam Pittman literally admitted in his halftime interview that they were just running the same play over and over again. Just so Lane, do your thing, do whatever you want. Uh, but I think it's a little, messed up the way that he's handled this departure from Ole Miss. I think one storyline that's being overlooked too is how much is Auburn going to piss off the old faithful if they don't hire Cadillac Williams at this point? I mean, he he has got that fan base going absolutely crazy. All the Auburn fans I know would rather have him over Lane Kiffin or Hugh Freeze, which if it's me, I think that's crazy. I would rather have either one of those guys. To me, Hugh Freeze is still the guy. Um, if I were Auburn's AD, he'd still be my first call. I understand, you know, he's got the history and all that kind of stuff. But And Lane Kiffin, 
I think Lane Kiffin would do really well at Auburn. If it happens, I think Lane Kiffin gets Auburn back up to top two or three teams in the SEC. I absolutely think he does, um, especially with the players they already have there. I think he fits what those players want, the, what those players do best uh, with his offense, and I think he'll get the be- the most out of them. Uh, like Robbie Ashford, Tank Bigsby. Um, they have a couple receivers. They don't have a lot of really, really solid guys, but I also think he could pull some guys from Ole Miss too. Same as Lincoln Riley did when he bolted for USC. But I know Auburn really loves Cadillac Williams. They're showing up for every single one of these games. They're going crazy. I mean, they had a sellout crowd for Western Kentucky last week. Um, Gus Malzahn was not getting that for ULM or in Western Kentucky in random games. They they were not they were never really that excited about Gus Malzahn, except for maybe that one year they went to the national championship. So I mean, I don't know. I I think if they keep him on staff, uh, it could be a good thing. Maybe if he stays as an OC or running backs coach and um, he works together with Lane, if Lane does does come down. Um, but I think if Cadillac leaves because they hire Lane Kiffin over Cadillac, I think we're going to see a lot of Auburn fans that are really upset about it. I was saying that. That's why I feel like Lane Kiffin to Auburn is a bad fit because – Lane wants to have complete and total control, and maybe John Cohen, the new AD, is going to give him that and say, tell the boosters to to screw off, and and they not they're not going to get his say so. But Lane Kiffin doesn't seem like the kind of guy that's going to come in and when they say you have to keep Cadillac Williams on staff, you have to keep this person on staff, you have to keep this person on staff. Oh, by the way, you've got a duck hunt that you have to go to, and in Opelika next weekend uh, with a couple of boosters like that just doesn't seem like Lane Kiffin's forte which is why I think he's a bad fit for the Auburn job. And to me, if you don't like Oxford, Mississippi, what are you going to like? What What is what is Auburn, Alabama going to be any different for you? Like, it's not like you're doing – like, you're getting nothing. It's not like you're moving from Oxford to Miami. It's not like you're moving from Oxford to L.A. You're going from North Mississippi woods to East Alabama woods. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great point. Like Lane Kiffin. Uh, now I'm not sure where exactly Lane Kiffin grew up, but like Lane Kiffin doesn't strike me as one as, as you know the the good old Southern boy, and that's why and that's another reason why I think Hugh Freeze is such a great fit. But from from my understanding is that Auburn has never really been on in on Hugh Freeze. Um, you know, from everything I've seen, Hugh Freeze has never even really been a part of the conversation, or at least in a large scale part of that conversation. I mean, yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. Like, it, it doesn't make sense. It's not a good fit. You know, Lane Kiffin seems to me like the California-style kid. You know, like, like if Chip, like, I would be more, I, I would be more in line to think that if Chip Kelly was fired tomorrow, that Lane Kiffin would dart back to UCLA and be a better fit for them than he would be if he was going to Auburn. You know, but just because you know, Lane, Lane Kiffin's not a part of the good old boys club. He's never been that kind of guy. You know, he's always been kind of, you know, more. I don't know, just California, West Coasty type, type kind of a guy. So I, I don't know. I, my my only question to you guys is, and and we don't have to talk about this a lot because there's nothing officially set in stone yet. But who would Ole Miss even go get? Because of all the names that I just said a couple minutes ago, I don't, I don't know. Uh, uh, you know, Lebby, Munkin, if you're going to go coordinator, you know, but if you're going to go head coach, you know, Jeff Trailer, Will Hall, 
uh, guys like that, Jamie Chadwell, are these guys going to be splashed? Can you get Dion? Where where the hell do you go if you're Ole Miss? I'd say Levy's on the short list for sure. Probably Munkin's on the short list. Uh, they, I, I don't know who that who else they reach out to, but here's what I will say, and it it doesn't it's not a great look if Lane leaves from from Ole Miss to go to Auburn. But here's what Ole Miss is now proven. They're proven. They have proven that they're willing to collectively come together for NIL. The there's they've got over, I believe over five thousand people now donating to the collective for the the Grove Collective for NIL. So the NIL funding is going to be there. I want to say that they said it's around seven million dollars that they've raised in the NIL collective. So you've got that going for you. They're willing to pay top ten money for a head coach if they come in there and win. And Lane Kiffin's proven that you can have success there in Mississippi, and they've got a good branding. Uh, PR team around there, so it's it to me. While yes, it's a bad look. There, there. I think there will be people that line up for that job because it is a step up with an SEC program that's got a lot of potential. Well, guys, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. Auburn, Ole Miss, all fun. But it's time to get to our pour one out, cut them off segment. Matt, who you pour one out for? So I am pouring one out this week for. A little college hoops, a little Thanksgiving turkey, and rivalry weekend. I mean, it's a great, great time, uh, a great time of the year. You get college basketball is rolling. I love all the turkey Thanksgiving invitational tournaments. I mean, that to me, they're awesome. Uh, college basketball is, is a sport that I always, like, generally follow really closely in November, and then – Come December, I fall off the wagon, and then in March, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember they were pretty good back in November whenever I'm filling out my bracket. Uh, but things change so quickly. Uh, so I'm, 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 I've got it on my, like, list of goals for this year to be a, a better college basketball fan. Uh, awesome time of year. Uh, so looking forward to watching some Thanksgiving basketball all week long this week. Um, and then I am cutting off – the Redneck Riviera. I love Tybee Island. It's a, a place uh, where dreams go to die. It's the Tybee Vortex. It's, it's, a, it's a really cool place. Uh, however, most of the people that live in Tybee, on Tybee, are uh, not the most educated of sorts. And I alluded to this earlier when I talked about the, their, uh, their conversations of college football that I overheard. Uh, and yet here I am sitting in a bar listening to them talk about college football and thinking like, good grief. Uh, I could lay a map of the state of Georgia down and most of these Georgia fans wouldn't be able to point to me the direction of Athens, Georgia. Uh, but man, they, they love them. Uh, I got barked at after a guy was uh, talking crap and it was, that was, so that was, that was fun. Um, and said that he wasn't sure where Oxford was. So um, all on the same all on the same breath, like just very uneducated. So I got to cut off the uneducated rednecks of the Redneck Riviera known as Tybee Island. Uh, fun people, terrible, terrible college football fans. Chad, you got to pour one out this week, my man. I do. I am pouring one out for chaos. As we talked about earlier, this week was absolutely chaotic i mean just anytime someone tells you that they look at the weekly schedule on their espn app and they scroll down 
the entirety of the FBS schedule from Tuesday night action to the very last Pac-12 or Mountain West game that kicks off at 11 p.m. on Saturday. And they tell you, oh, there's nothing going on this week. Ohio State's just playing Maryland. Florida's just playing Vanderbilt. Georgia's got Kentucky. You know, the hell with them. This is a sleepy week. Don't you dare listen to those people because this sport produces chaos and it is fun, and it is the greatest sport in these United States of America. So pour one out for chaos, and what a wild, fun, chaotic week it was here this past weekend. And that segues me into my cut them off keys. You better get that bleep button ready, son, because I got some things to say. I'm cutting off casuals. If you're a casual fan, screw you. And I want to say things that are so much worse, but what y'all didn't hear that Keys is going to edit out as he asked me not to use the F word. And I want to use the F word quite often because I am so – now that I'm on Twitter, it's a lot worse. But I have friends that I, I've grown up with my whole life and never once were they big college football fans, right? But all of a sudden, you know, they're Georgia fans. And they don't watch any other football outside of Georgia. And this is not just relative to Georgia. I'm not coming after Georgia because I'm a Florida fan and I'm upset about what happened. That's not what I'm doing. I'm going to come after Florida fans too. I'll come after Alabama fans, Texas fans, Kansas fans. I don't care. If you're a casual, keep your freaking mouth shut. Do you know how many people I heard right off Ohio State this week? Because they played Maryland and struggled. Let me tell you something. Maryland had the number 19 recruiting class. Just two years ago, Mike Loxley, an award-winning coordinator at the University of Alabama, and Tua's brother, Talia Tagovailoa, is one hell of a quarterback, and he played his ass off Saturday. People want to write off Michigan for struggling with Illinois. Illinois is a 7-4 and four football team. You know what? That's not that great, but it's better than Illinois has been for quite a long time, and Brett Bielema was a pretty solid coach. People want to write off Florida and write off Billy Napier after 11 games. It's year one. It's year one, and people saying, and these Tennessee fans out here talking about TCU. You know, Tennessee fans were lighting up Twitter talking about TCU and how bad they were. TCU was 11-0 in the Big 12 as a damn competitive conference from top to bottom this year. And it doesn't matter if Oklahoma and Texas are down. It does not matter. It's been a great, fun conference to watch. If you can't tell me who UNC Charlotte just hired, to be their head coach, and you didn't know that that was an opening, if you didn't know that Colorado was an opening... Yeah, if you don't know the Wyoming coach, please delete your account and uh, I, get I, off to I don't know who the UNC Charlotte coach is. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you don't live and breathe this sport, but you get on Twitter and you run your mouth and you only watch your team, I, uh, I, hate, I hate casuals. Wit, who are you pouring one out for? I'm sorry that went really long. Shout out Angry, angry Chad. I will, say, I, will start, I will start this off by saying... Uh, I knew this would happen as soon as Chad joined Twitter. I knew, like, as soon as you opened your eyes to the absolute, uh, the craziness of some people on Twitter that don't know what they're talking about, you, uh, it, it becomes pretty fun. Which is why I pour one out for Twitter. I love Twitter. Twitter stirs the pot. Twitter keeps us entertained. Uh, and uh, specifically, Lane Kiffin keeps us entertained. And uh, for those that, of you that who have not, have not seen it yet, which I know a lot of you guys aren't looking at your phones, you guys might be looking at your phones right now. Uh, Lane Kiffin, who recently had the news broken that he was going to Auburn, 
by John Sokoloff from a Mississippi State media uh, outlet. Seems like he he's a Heisman voter. Apparently, I think he's an AP voter also. Uh, so I guess he's you know he's a blue check mark, pretty well known guy. Blake Kiffin comes out and says this is wrong. You know he goes, I'm not I'm not leaving. Denies the rumors, and uh, and then he turns around and puts out his own um, his own breaking news saying. John Sokolov of WCBI News in Starkville, Mississippi, plans to step down as lead anchor and head to W Locks to become their new lead anchor. Sources say W Locks hasn't offered the job to anyone yet. So, John to w- to W Locks is happening. Story coming soon. <laughs> Which I will say, I've been on Twitter for a while. I think I've been on Twitter for it might be ten years at this point. One of my twenty six. It's been at least ten years. It might be longer than that. That is the funniest thing I've ever seen on this bird app. It's just really funny because we're seeing all these really professional people. Anything from like something that's not relevant to sports, like Elon Musk and you know Donald Trump, all these things. People getting on Twitter in these very professional spaces and just clowning people, and it's hilarious. Yeah, Twitter is like the least professional space ever, and it is Absolutely. wonderful because as I've come to learn, and I think as our good friend Chad will come to learn now that he's taken a part of the community, no one gets their news from newspapers anymore. No one gets their news from magazines. No one gets their news from the internet, like going on, looking up, you know. Articles. Yeah, no art, no more articles. It's just tweets. Just TMZ Twitter. It's Everything <laughs> is like five, like one or two sentences, headline tweets. That's where news comes from. Pouring one out for Twitter. Vol Twitter also was crazy Saturday. Let me tell y'all. Early on, I kept up with Vol Twitter all day. Rowdy Rowdy uh, Rowdy Pod on Twitter loves Vol Nation. We keep up with them. We we play around with them on Twitter. Have a good time. Vol Twitter early on, just going ham on TCU, going crazy on Michigan. Tennessee, Georgia, easily top two teams. Georgia struggles. Georgia's not even a, not even a top four team. Tennessee should still be number one. This is crap. Tennessee turns around, gets blown out by South Carolina. Vol Twitter going from this high up here, thinking we're gonna go back to the we're gonna make it to the playoff, get to play Georgia again, get a rematch and beat them, and then having what happened to them against South Carolina is the most purest justice I have ever seen in my entire life. And I, and I hope, I hope Tennessee fans, I hope they're listening to this, and I hope they never, ever are happy ever again. Um, so, pour one out for Twitter because it makes me happy. And I'm going to be cutting off myself for going to another fall wedding on a great day of watching college football. Uh, and, I, and I would do it again. I'd do it again for Lucy and Cody because they're, they're two good friends of mine. And, uh, and I enjoyed their wedding. I had a great time. But I miss a lot of good football and a lot of really fun times and uh, miss just straight up relaxing. But yeah, that's what happened to me. Keys, who are you pouring one out for? So last week I poured one out for Bill's Mafia. And coincidentally, I'm going to do it again just because one of the, the funniest and my, one of my favorite things I saw this week was uh, Bill's Mafia coming to the aid of the Snowden players, coming in with the snowmobiles and the shovels and the the blow torches, getting the Buffalo's players out of there and getting them over to Detroit where they got the win. Um, so I know a lot of people are disappointed that the Bills couldn't play at home, but did you see the pictures of the stadium oh, covered in crazy. six feet of snow? Nuts. So poor one out for Bill's Mafia, second week in a row, getting the boys to the game. And I am going to be cutting off Fairweather fans some of the attendance for some of the games this week was just down bad. I know there was that pretty 
popular uh, video going around from um, Texas A&M. Second half stands just empty. Uh, absolutely nobody there. I know the weather was a little poor, so a lot of people were under the under the overpass there, but just terrible. And and Alabama's attendance was down as well. Uh, I know that you know they're not having the greatest years ever, especially Texas A and M. But uh, you know it's SEC football. You got to get some got to get some bus in the seats. So uh, cutting off fair weather fans. Yeah, A and M struggling uh, with UMass also. I mean, I oh, think they yes. won. Yeah, I bad. Mean, they won. I don't. I don't think UMass scored a point, or if they did, they didn't score many. But it was. Yeah, it it was not a not a not a beatdown by any means. I bet you, I bet you casual fans can't tell you that UMass is an FBS football team. No, they cannot. No, they cannot. I'm uh, very sorry that went long. <laughs> <laughs> As we move on, move on to our locks of the week. Matt, who you got this week? So this week, my lock going down to the state of Florida, Tallahassee, Florida, where this week, Chad's. Florida Gators will be taking on Mike Norvell's eight and three Florida State team. Uh, Florida State's had a really good year this year. They are nine and a half point favorites in this game. I'm going to take Florida to cover Florida State to win this game. And let me tell you why. Uh, look, Billy Napier, year one, it hasn't gone swimmingly. Uh, that's to be expected when you take over a program that had zero culture because Dan Mullen is a terrible leader of young men. Billy Napier's come in, and he's done all the things that he needs to do to get this program going in the right direction, and I still believe that Billy Napier was a really good hire for Florida. He's got recruiting rolling for next year. He's got everything that he wants and, and needs to, to be successful at the University of Florida, and I think that they will get rolling. But this year is a year of, uh, in my opinion, Mike Norvell becoming a lot more justified in, in everything that, that he's done. Uh, there was a lot of hate on Mike Norvell this offseason, especially after Travis Hunter flipped from Florida State, number one committed in the, the recruit in the country, flips from Florida State and ends up going to Jackson State with Deion Sanders. A lot of hate came Mike Norvell's way. There was a lot of Florida State fans that wanted Mike Norvell to be fired. He's had a really good year. In fact, they opened the season with a win over LSU. Uh, they've played and been very competitive in every game this year. Uh, including a, a, a close loss to Clemson. And look, I, I just think that Florida State this year with this team and the game being in Tallahassee has all the advantages. But I think Billy Napier's squad is going to come out and cause some problems for Florida State early. Florida State's going to win a close one. I think that they win by six. Uh, but Chad is going to be pleased to see his Gators competitive. That's my That's my stance on this game. Chad. What's your lock this week, buddy? Well, first of all, let me just say that I'm not even mad that you said that because if we were picking Florida, Florida State, then I would not pick us. And so, whatever. Uh, I think that's a good that's a good take. But my lock of the week this week is going to be Purdue over Indiana in Bloomington this week. This is my favorite favorite rivalry trophy in college football: the old oaken bucket. It is absolutely awesome i love big 10 trophies this is 100 my favorite it is such a cool trophy hey casuals hey casuals i bet you didn't know that either but purdue's a 10 and a half point favorite still a chance for purdue to win the big 10 west i believe i think they need iowa to lose to nebraska on black friday for them to actually and then win on saturday for them to go to the big 10 championship and play ohio state big 10 west is down this year but that's still a hell of a year for jeff brom 
and Purdue. A lot to play for to get the old Oaken bucket back to West Lafayette and to get a chance to go into the Big Ten championship game. And I don't think we've ever seen Purdue do that in our lifetime, at least not in my 25 years. I haven't. Um, ten and a half point favorite for Purdue. Lock it in. Wit. So mine was pretty easy this week. Uh, I'm pretty sure I picked this game every single year. Uh, and I'm picking Iowa to beat Nebraska. Uh, Chad probably knows the trophy name. I do not. Um, do you know the trophy name, actually? No, that's just what we're talking about. Or are you a I, I'm going to be honest. You got me on that one. I don't know. I'm a actually, fan. Doesn't I know. know I know, I know Iowa-Minnesota last week was um, the Floyd of Rosedale trophy, but I don't know what yep. the Iowa-Nebraska was. I saw that trophy. It was, it was glorious. Um, but I, I don't know it to be honest. And you know, like casuals or non-casuals that are big Iowa fans come after me, please. But I don't know it. Iowa's going to beat Nebraska again. Uh, Iowa has won seven in a row. And, uh, and Iowa, honestly, I mean, their program's been better than Nebraska the past couple years, but Iowa's not in this state where they're just beating the crap out of everybody. I mean, they're, even when they're having good seasons, they're not winning games big. They're just, they're just winning games. Um, and, and Iowa's pretty solid this year. They have a chance to make it to the Big Ten Championship again, which would be just absolutely crazy considering how bad they've been. Um, but Nebraska's been worse. They've been terrible. Casey Thompson's been hurt for the last couple games. I don't think he's coming back for this game. If he is, I might would change my pick. Um, but the fact that Iowa's won seven in a row, Kirk Ferentz just has something over Nebraska at this point. And, uh, and I, think, I think they're going to get the win again. So shout out to our boy Mark Scratis. And uh, Iowa gets another dub over... The Cornhuskers. Keys, what about you? Iowa going to get the Heroes Trophy, huh? Heroes Trophy? Yeah, Heroes yeah. Trophy. Wow, oh, Keys. Wow. The wow, definitely didn't just look that didn't, up on Wikipedia. Didn't Google that at all. No, of course not. Very good, Keys. Very good. Non-casual, Very good. nice. Fact checker. Uh, so my That's lock cool. is, as per usual, going to be Georgia Southern. I'm down to the wire on this one. I made a liar out of myself last week. I didn't actually get to go out of the game. And that's why they lost. So this week, Wit and I, we will be in attendance. Chad will also be in attendance. And they're going to get the win for us, right? This is our last chance to become bowl eligible. Uh, the, the line is uh, five and a half points. So I'm, I'm, I'm going with a field goal on this one. If we win, it's not going to be a blowout by any means. I'm, I'm thinking they squeak it out. But I'm just hoping they fight for the bowl eligibility. It's the rivalry. Please just give me this win, Georgia Southern. I need something on this season. So Georgia Southern by three. Georgia Southern heading to our first pick. Of course, we got App State at Georgia Southern. Me, Keys, and Chad all heading down this weekend. Uh, Going to have a great time. Uh, your boys got beer garden ticket or ticket, not tickets. Unfortunately, for, thanks a lot for the guys. Sorry, I tried. I tried my best. I tried my best. I tried my best. We'll just but, sit uh, with the peasants and you know, have fun. Hey, they sell beer in the stadium now. You can pay for it. It's it's, it's Statesboro. It's not that expensive. Come on now. But uh, yes, I will be drinking for free. Uh, and we'll be surrounded by the old faithful of Georgia Southern. And uh, and I'm excited more than anything to get down to the good old Dingus McGee's. Get me a uh, Bud Light beer pitcher at a happy hour, just like the olden days. Um, and, of course, watch Georgia Southern beat App State. Georgia Southern is a five-and-a-half-point underdog coming off a bad loss to Marshall. I mean, they just looked awful. Matt, who you got in this one? Well, look, I, I kind of saw that coming. Marshall's uh, got a really good defense this year. They, they I mean, it, it it didn't surprise me. Now that the Georgia Southern hasn't surprised me at all this year. They've just not been a good football team. Um, so, to all of you up and coming, new 
FBS schools, you've got to hit a home run on all your hires. A few Tyson Summers. Uh, this week, though, is different because Appalachian State, Georgia Southern, probably is the biggest rivalry in the Sun Belt, uh, at least to my knowledge. And it's the biggest because it's the only one that really matters. And this goes back uh, all the way to the FCS days for Georgia Southern and App State. Uh, they have long been storied programs of, of winning in the FCS level, and even both of them had came into the FBS and continued that initially. But the power of Paulson is something tricky that Appalachian State just can't always seem to get past. And that is why I think Georgia Southern pulls the upset this week. Look, there's been years where Georgia Southern was a much worse team than App State. Take out the records, take out the talent, take out the roster, and none of it matters when these two teams meet up. Give me Georgia Southern to win this game by a field goal late. And the Paulson party will begin on the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Ed, do you think, honestly, that we would be going down to Statesboro, Georgia, to sit at Dingus McGee's Friday night, to walk into Allen E. Paulson Stadium on Saturday and freeze our asses off to watch us lose? To Appalachian State University? Hell no. Hell no. I am jacked. I'm excited to be back down in Statesboro. I'm ready to go to this game. I have I didn't even get this excited to go watch a Georgia Southern game when I was in college. But damn it. We're going down there. And from the football perspective side of it, Matt's completely right. I think App State's probably a better team. Georgia Southern uh, has fallen on wayward times here at the end of the year. We're fighting for bowl eligibility. App State already has it, but this game, in my opinion, is one of the top, if not the top, rivalry in the group of five. This is hate. They used to put F App State on top of the buses going around campus. And the power of Paulson shows out. For this game. They are going to have no class this week. They're all going to go home for Thanksgiving. And they're going to come back Friday night. With nothing to do. But drink and get rowdy. For App State. In the words of the bus. At Georgia Southern University. Freak App State. Georgia Southern by three. Wit. Was that the ghost of Irk Russell? Or was that Russell Sessions? Couldn't tell. Couldn't tell. Either way, y'all don't need a full breakdown from me. Georgia Southern's going to win. I wouldn't go if I didn't think Georgia Southern was going to win. Cal Vantrese, Caleb Hood, they're going to go off. It, it, it's going to be a beatdown. Uh, I think Georgia Southern wins by 34. <laughs> 34 points. And you know what? I won't even remember the second half. That's another prediction. Fully, <laughs> fully, fully predicting that one. You guys will see me in full form. Uh, the, uh, the, full, the full witty's coming out. Lock of the week, Wit gets drug home from the blue room. <laughs> <laughs> All right, paying homage to, of course, our favorite game of Thanksgiving Day. Forget the NFL. We got the Egg Bowl. Mississippi State at Ole Miss. Ole Miss minus two and a half. Grove's going to be rocking. Lots of turkey being eaten. Matt, I already know who you're picking, but just tell us. Well, yeah, you know, I've got to pick my alma mater. Hotty toddy, 
But uh, I do think this game's going to be a lot closer than it should be. Ole Miss is a better team, but with all the Lane Kiffin rumors that are out there, he's got to address this stuff once and for all with the team, in, in my opinion, in order to get them to be laser-focused for this game, coming off a really bad loss to Arkansas. Hotty toddy, uh, Egg Bowl stays in Oxford for another year. Yeah, this this is actually my favorite rivalry in all of college football, believe it or not. It's the most underrated rivalry in all of college football, but – this game being in Oxford, I think, is going to make the difference. I think with all the distractions going on this week, it's going to be very imperative that Lane Kiffin gets his team focused. And even if they aren't focused, that crowd is going to do their best to try to block out all the noise because this game matters to everyone in the state of Mississippi. It doesn't matter the records of the team. This is a huge game. Love it on Thanksgiving night. I'm going to go Old Miss. They're just a more talented team. With I think even without the Lane Kiffin rumors surrounding the team um, and everything else going on, Mississippi State actually matches up really well with Ole Miss this year. Mississippi State's strength on defense is the run defense. Ole Miss, if they're not running the ball well, they're not going to win a football game. Uh, that being paired with Mississippi State having a really solid passing game just because they're the air raid uh, going up against Ole Miss's secondary. I think Mississippi State would win this game either way. I do think Ole Miss is the better team, um, and I do think Ole Miss has an advantage of being at home. But Mississippi State having the matchup advantage, along with Lane Kiffin potentially going to Auburn and all this stuff going around, even if he's not, just the fact of the distraction being there, uh, I think Ole Miss lets this game drop. I, I, you know, I have a love for Ole Miss because of Matt, because of our buddy, or the Kisslers, uh, P-Pop probably more than anybody. Um, and I just love the Grove. Um, so I would love to see Ole Miss win this game. But uh, I think I think Mississippi State comes up with this one. This will be Mike Leach's second, I believe, Egg Bowl win, if he got it. Uh, so that's the prediction right there. Moving into our next game. This one's probably the game of the week. Uh, it's a noon game, so we're picking it here. Um, college game day is going to be there. It's number two versus number three. Michigan taking on Ohio State. Michigan might be without Blake Corum going into this game, which could be a, a huge, huge development. Um, weather is going to be an issue as well. Ohio State's a seven and a half point favorite. Matt, who you got? Yeah, this uh, this game is is full of hate. Ohio State coming off of a not great performance. Michigan coming off of a not great performance uh, against two pretty good football teams in the Big Ten. Uh, but I I just don't see a way that Ohio State loses this game. Uh, C.J. Stroud has to avenge last year's loss. Uh, playoff spot on the line right here. Winner goes to the playoff. Uh, Ohio State and Ryan Day, I think, are going to be ready to go, uh, ready to avenge last year's loss. And uh, I, I think that it's going to – if Blake Corum doesn't play, I think it's two touchdowns. I just don't see a way that Michigan's going to be able to hang in there without a guy who's a Heisman front runner uh, as a running back, probably the only running back that, it, that will – receive a lot of Heisman attention. Uh, but Blake Corum uh, is going to be the contingency on how bad it is. I think Ohio State wins either way. Chad. Yeah, the health of Blake Corum is uh, first and foremost. And if he's not healthy, then I completely agree. This game is in Columbus. Um, you know, and, and I think Ohio State at quarterback cannot play him. I think Witt said it earlier, Blake Corum is – a big part of that Michigan offense and Michigan's quarterback play, just they need him. They need him to divert to. And CJ Stroud, I think he doesn't he doesn't need that running back. He can make plays with his legs. 
He can make plays with his arms. They got Marvin Harrison Jr. at wide receiver. Ohio State's probably up and down a far more talented team. And this game's at home. Ohio State wants revenge from last year. I think the Buckeyes actually do win this game by at least 14, whether or not they have quorum or not on Michigan's side. Wit. Okay, so I, I've been knocking on the Big Ten a lot, especially on Twitter, uh, for those who follow Rowdy Pod. Um, but in the end, I think Michigan and Ohio State are far and away the number two and three team. Um, if you watch the games this year, Michigan's had some close ones. Ohio State obviously had the close one last week. I think all season long, these teams have been looking to this week. Um, so I think you see both teams show up. I think it's going to be the best game played by either team. I think even if Michigan doesn't have Blake Quorum come in and play, um, they have the guys to make up for it. They have some really, really solid running backs. Uh, J.J. McCarthy, I think if given the right game plan before the game, is going to play really well. Uh, Ohio State matches up better against Michigan. Ohio State gets the game at home. Um, I think the weather is more effective for Michigan, given that it might snow, given the cold. Um, but I'm going to take Ohio State. I think they win. I think they cover. Seven and a half is a lot. Um, but I'm going to say Ohio State wins by 10 uh, with like a last-second defensive touchdown or something, just like they had against Michigan, so they could cover. Um, so Ohio State, 10 points going to the playoff. And uh, our next game, this is our SEC game of the week. We got Auburn at Alabama. Alabama, 21.5-point favorite going to this game. Uh, Auburn's got a lot of momentum. Matt, who you got? I do not like that line at all. I don't feel confident in this game at all. Bill O'Brien finally decided he was going to run the damn ball last week. Uh, I mean, it was Austin P. Overall, it was a really ugly win. I mean, thirty-four nothing, but it just didn't like it, it, it. didn't feel like the dominant Alabama win that you'd hope to see over an FCS opponent. Overall, uh, so coming into this game, I don't feel great. Auburn has that whole Colt feeling to it right now. Uh, Cadillac Williams. The most Auburn thing to have happen in this game would be for Cadillac Williams to beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa, and then them hire Lane Kiffin away from. Ole Miss. It would be unbelievable. So uh, I, I don't think that happens. I think Alabama wins, but I think it's going to be way, way, way closer than 21 and a half. Alabama hasn't shown the spark of having the ability to dominate a game against an SEC opponent like that. Like, you know, Auburn obviously hasn't been good this year, but they're playing for something now. They've got, they're playing for their own pride now for, for Cadillac Williams. So uh, I expect this to be a really close game and that, that Alabama wins, roll tide. And uh, on to a bowl game that we'll see if Bryce Young and Will Anderson play it. Chad. You know, Matt. Matt's right that all of a sudden Auburn seems to have a little momentum going. I mean, ever since they fired Brian Harson, they've played their asses off for Cadillac Williams. Uh, I feel bad that he's not going to get hired. I feel bad that he probably never stood a chance to get hired because of the way that they've got that team just so relaxed now. And not only is Auburn playing for pride and to be the champs of the state, Auburn wins this game. Auburn's going to a bowl game, boys. Never thought we'd be saying that after the way things were trending, but Auburn can go to a bowl game when they win this game. Um, I think Auburn covers, but I think Alabama still wins. Alabama played sloppy last week against Austin P, um, which, by the way, that school's in Nashville, Tennessee, for those of you who didn't know. Um, but, yeah, Alabama played sloppy. But Auburn's got a lot of momentum coming in. I think they'll play tough, but Alabama's too talented. And I think Cadillac Williams has them fight, but I don't think it's going to be enough. Auburn covers, but Alabama wins by seven. Wit. 
Yeah, Auburn's got tons and tons of momentum. Cadillac Williams has done a phenomenal job of getting the players back up and spirited after everything that happened with Brian Harson. Same with the fan base. Fan base is showing up for every single game. Alabama, I don't even know what to think about them this year. I mean, you could say Alabama's two plays away from being 11-0 and right now. You could also say Alabama's three plays away from being 7-5. and So it, it, it really could have gone either way. I mean, I still think Bama obviously is the better team. If they show up, they get them at home. They've played well at home in every single game this season, except for the Texas A&M game, uh, where they didn't have Bryce Young, of course. But I think Alabama's going to win this game. I think Auburn keeps it within 10, um, and I think it's a really close game throughout. I'd say maybe Bama goes up early. Auburn makes a little bit of a comeback. I think it'll end up being a classic like the Iron Bowl typically is, unless Alabama just so much outmatches Auburn. Um, but I don't, I don't know if, if Cadillac Williams wins this game, I don't see how they can't hire him at this point. Um, unless Lane Kiffin's already signed, which might be the case, which will be really funny. Um, but I'm going to take Alabama. I'm going to say Alabama by like 10, maybe nine since I said within 10, but moving on to the next game, we got South Carolina rolling into Clemson, South Carolina, uh, coming off the big win against Tennessee, Clemson. Uh, rolling in after that loss to Notre Dame a couple weeks ago. Uh, they've won out since then, obviously. Uh, Clemson still playing for a playoff spot. They're in that top 10 range. They're probably going to move up this week uh, in tomorrow's rankings. Clemson minus 14 and a half over South Carolina. Matt, who you got? You know, I, as much as I love Shane Beamer and would love to see this, love to see South Carolina become the – program that it was under the direction of Steve Spurrier again, uh, just to make the East more competitive. I just don't think South Carolina's there yet. I mean, this is the Spencer Rattler that they got finally this past weekend. Spencer Rattler was the Spencer Rattler that he came into college uh, as advertised. And just don't, I haven't seen it from Spencer Rattler before that he's going to be able to be consistent with it. So uh, personally, I feel like South Carolina is just going to lay a dud this weekend uh, in, in Clemson. And, I, and I, now I do think it will be competitive. I think that uh, Shane Beamer is going to have the guys rocking. But it's hard to come off of a hangover win like that one. Emotional road uh, home win against the top five team in Tennessee. Now you're going on the road to your in-state rival in Clemson, who is still really good defensively, by the way. Uh, so give me the Tigers to win this game and win it by seven at least. Chad. Matt, I think you're right. Um, from a standpoint of, I think Beamer is doing good things. I think Spencer Rattler finally showed the player that he could be. But it would be typical of South Carolina to come out and just absolutely lay a dud. I mean, we've seen them do that this year. We've seen them go on the road and beat Kentucky. And then we see them go to Nashville and play Vanderbilt, and then they didn't look all that great. They still won the game. But then they go to Florida, and they get skull drugged by Florida in Gainesville. And, and you just kind of wonder, who really is this South Carolina team? Well, we've got one more week to see it. We've got one more week to see it. And I think this is the year that South Carolina finally goes and gets Dabo. They have not won this game since 2013. Last time they won this game, November 30th, 2013, they won in Columbia 31-17. to 
Ever since then, Clemson has dominated this rivalry. And I'm not saying this because of South Carolina's performance last year. I'm saying it, be, or not last year, excuse me, last week. I'm saying it because of Clemson's inconsistencies all year. And now I know they just destroyed Miami, but Miami sucks. I mean, Miami is not good this year. I think I think South Carolina ends the streak. I, I think that win last week, and I know going on the road after an emotional win is hard, but South Carolina is going to be up for this game. And I, I think that momentum carries. I think the streak is over. I think the Gamecocks win this game by seven. I think it's going to be tight. But I think South Carolina takes a big step forward in finally getting that win over their in-state rival and officially knocking Clemson out of playoff contention for certain. It happens on Saturday. Wit. I would love to see South Carolina beat Clemson. Uh, most of my family went to South Carolina, uh, which is why I went to the game earlier. Um, it's kind of becoming a new tradition for me. Every time Georgia played in South Carolina, I'm probably going to go to that game. But South Carolina is probably the most inconsistent team in the entire country. If you look at the last couple of weeks, they beat A&M at home. And that huge, huge, um, that huge games. what was that, October 22nd? Then they turn around, lose to Missouri at home by 13. Turn around, beat Vandy in Vandy. Turn around, lose 38-6 to to Florida. And then turn around and beat the number five team in the country, Tennessee, who's on a playoff run, uh, 63-38. to um, Unfortunately, this is a week-to-week thing. I don't think they show up for this Clemson game. Um, I think they'll be excited. I think they'll have a big head, um, which I think will be a good thing because they need the confidence to think they could win this game. Uh, they're rolling in here a lot stronger than Clemson is, but Clemson's still got the better players, especially on defense. Uh, I think t- Clemson dominates them up front. I don't think they get the run game going. Um, Spencer Rattler's going to have su- some success. I think it's a higher scoring game than it probably should be. Um, but I do think Clemson wins. I think they win by at least 10, uh, but I do think South Carolina covers. So I'm going to say within 14, but um, over 10, Clemson wins the game. Moving on to our next game, we got Notre Dame at USC. USC is probably about to take a big bump in the playoff rankings uh, after what happened to Tennessee this past weekend. USC does look pretty strong, looks solid against UCLA. Uh, USC is a five-and-a-half-point favorite. This is a big one. Matt, who you got? And that UCLA-USC game is one that we didn't even get into, but that was an awesome game on Saturday. It was a barn burner. Caleb Williams established himself as a potential Heisman candidate yet again. Um, Lincoln Riley's got the the guys in L.A. uh, hopeful for the first time in a long time, and you know the media loves it whenever USC is good. Uh, I think USC is going to win this game. Uh, Marcus Freeman has done a good job of turning what was early on this season looked like it was going to be a lost season for Notre Dame uh, into something that has been very respectable. They still got to find a quarterback there in uh, South Bend, but overall Notre Dame is is playing decent football. I just think that USC has that feeling of a team that is going to make the committee put in uh, have some have some conversations. If uh, especially after this Michigan Ohio State game this weekend, one of those teams is going to lose. Maybe uh, U.S. I think USC is playing for a higher purpose. They want to get in that playoff. I think USC wins this game, and I think they win this game by about ten. Uh, Chad, what you thinking about this game? 
Yeah, Caleb Williams played a phenomenal game on Saturday. And I'll tell you what, I know UCLA's not usually a big, big atmosphere, so a road win there is not that impressive. But the Rose Bowl was absolutely packed on Saturday night. That was an impressive win by USC. Dorian Thompson-Robinson played his ass off. It was a barn burner, exciting game. But Caleb Williams absolutely outplayed him in every facet of the game, put his name in the Heisman race. USC is carrying the entire Pac-12 on their shoulders. The Pac-12 has been left out of the playoff ever since Washington in the Huskies. And Chris Peterson and Jake Bentley made the playoff. USC is already in the Pac-12 championship game, but they are not going to sleep on Notre Dame. We'll see where USC gets the bump up to tomorrow when they drop the playoff rankings. They'll probably shoot up to five. I believe they'll probably jump LSU. Um, But I think USC is going to be focused. Uh, this game is at home. It's still Notre Dame. I know Notre Dame's eight and three, and but Notre Dame's been playing better in the back half of the year, and that name alone, Notre Dame, still carries a lot of weight. USC does not want to lose this game. USC needs to take care of business this week so they can take care of business next week and put themselves in the playoff. I think USC is going to take care of business and win this game by ten. I think Notre Dame hangs around and fights, but I think Caleb Williams is just way too much. And Notre, and Notre Dame does not have the offense to keep up. So USC wins the game, and they have a happy Thanksgiving with. So this season, the only teams that have played USC really tough um, have been teams with really good quarterbacks. And to me, Drew, Pry- Drew Pine is not a good quarterback, not even close to it. Is he serviceable, good enough to win you a couple games if you play the Notre Dame schedule, uh, mostly playing against ACC teams? Absolutely. Uh, was the win against Clemson this year really impressive at home? Yeah, it really was. But I, I still don't think Notre Dame's a good football team. Uh, I do think USC is a good football team. I think Lincoln Riley is a better coach than Marcus Freeman is at this point in their careers. Marcus Freeman doesn't have as much experience coaching, especially being a head coach, as Lincoln Riley. Both guys are really young, but Marcus Freeman's going to need to put a couple years under his belt before I think he really gets a hold of this Notre Dame team. Uh, my prayer for Marcus Freeman is that they keep him around long enough to do that. But if they keep going, I mean, what's their record right now? Shoot. Eight and three. Are they eight and three? Somehow. Yeah. If they end up going eight and four uh, for the next three years, I, I think they're going to have a hard time keeping them just with how Brian Kelly had them rolling. I mean, they had them in the playoff twice. Granted, they got killed both times they were there, but they were winning football games. Um, so I think this is Lincoln Riley's, uh, first win. This rivalry has been a rivalry of streaks. Uh, Notre Dame's won the last three before that USC won one, Notre Dame won one. And then USC in the Pete Carroll days absolutely dominated. I think Lincoln Riley and Marcus Freeman will be a little bit more back and forth than normal, but I think Lincoln Riley overall is going to dominate this rivalry going forward. Uh, so this is his first win. I think Caleb Williams puts another feather in his cap to win the Heisman. I think right now, looking at all the um, the contenders, C.J. Stroud, Hennon Hooker obviously had the torn ACL um, against South Carolina. Um, everybody else going on, Blake Corum obviously got hurt as well. I would take Caleb Williams over anybody else in the country this year. Um, I think he is more valuable to his team than anybody else is valuable to their teams, and I think he's playing outstanding football. So USC, Caleb Williams, big win. Uh, I, I'm thinking double digits again. I'm going to say two touchdowns. 
Boom. And from all of us here to Rowdy Southern Saturday, we hope you have a blessed and wonderful Thanksgiving. Good night. If you enjoyed the episode, please give us a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple Music and follow our social media at RowdyPod on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.